0: Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be chatting with Mary Lee Etsy, author of Conquering Concussion. This episode is brought to you by Minnesota Functional Neurology, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are experienced in treating post-concussion syndrome, chronic pain, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in Minnesota. They have greatly helped me and many others in the Twin Cities. Find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Hello, everyone. I am Amy Zellmer, and you are listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not be familiar with who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014, and I am currently a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post and I volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council. And my newest book, Embracing the Journey Moving Forward After Brain Injury, is currently on Kickstarter, and we are 42% funded with 12 days to go. So if you are interested in pre-ordering your copy, that would be so appreciated, and you can find that at facesoftbi.com slash blog. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellner. Today our guest is Mary Lee Etsy and Mary is president of the Brain Wellness and Biofeedback Center of Washington, Bethesda, Maryland. The center provides biofeedback and neurofeedback treatments for symptoms following concussion and traumatic brain injury, including headache, insomnia, fatigue, cognitive problems, depression, and post-traumatic stress. Her first research for TBI was done with NIH funding through the Kessler Rehabilitation Hospital and was published in the Journal of Head Trauma Rehabilitation in 2001. Conquering Concussion defines numerous effects of concussion, short and long-term physical, social, emotional, and metabolic effects that present therapeutic challenges to healthcare providers. This book informs professionals and the layperson about lifelong effects of concussion that are not generally understood. So welcome to the podcast, Mary. I am so thrilled to have you here today.
1: Well, thank you for the invitation. I'm, I'm glad to be here so i
0: I don't know if you know the background, but my doctor Dr. Schmo, had picked up your book and was reading it, and he was like oh you you need to get her on the podcast oh, <laughs> so nice. well, I did some research I thank and I him found, for me <laughs> and I found um it's carol right your your co-writer
1: yeah, she's really the writer uh, this this did not turn start out to be a book it's uh, one of the maybe has a guinness record for the largest brochure ever published <laughs> um, carol had come to our office with her manuscript for her amazing book on migraine migraine brains and bodies because uh, you know we share a lot of interest in all kinds of symptoms and her writing is so so accessible and so clear and i asked if she would do a brochure on sort of basics of concussion and the aftermath for our many, many, many concussion and traumatic brain injury clients, and this is the brochure. (laughs) Uh, It's a 300-page brochure, not quite, to something. But it's it's the experiences we've had with, I'm doing a lot of research still, with combat veterans from our many, many wars, and just getting wonderful results. But um, I, I've been especially interested recently in the... I don't, it's not even a discussion, I think, that's taking place. There two schools have thought, it seems, after... To, for treatment after concussion. There seems to be one group of neurologists, and of course all these concussion clinics showing up, that say, oh, you just rest. just Just rest until the symptoms are gone and then you're okay, and then there are the people who say, well, no, you really ought to start treatment. But I invite people to go to, this is Purdue University, to go purdue.edu and click on their research with high school football players. There's this, a, They first published something in 2012 and then more recently in 2015, and what they are saying and documenting with imaging, educational testing, pre- and post-preseason, there was one year they did two entire high school football teams, impact <coughs> sensors in every helmet, every single player, MRI imaging, pre-season, post-season, and then again the next year. And what they found, and I'll quote from the 2012, we're finding that there's actually a lot of change even when you don't have (laughs) symptoms. So the people who are advocating rest until symptoms are gone, and they're saying, it's okay, you can go back now, that's not the case. The National Institute of Medicine has a wonderful, wonderful book, and you can actually get the e-book online and it's called Sports-Related Concussion in Youth, published in 2014. And it covers every aspect you can imagine of testing and symptoms. But um, there's a section on the quantitative EEG, a tool that not all but most or many, many uh, neurofeedback and biofeedback people use, and they actually conclude the QEEG is the only test, at that time at least, available that tells whether the brain really is in a state to return to play. It doesn't get better than that.
0: You know, Mary, I'm I'm currently reading Chris Nowinski's book called Head Games, and he talks about... Um, This was done in, like, 2006 maybe, but they they started, because, you know, the second impact syndrome um, seemed Mm -hmm. to really
1: affect. Can be deadly. uh,
0: Yes, youth athletes. And so they did an experiment, and they um, asked the players to fill out a survey asking if they suffered a concussion at all during the season. And if they had to put their name on it, only, like, 4% said they had a concussion if they did it anonymously it was something like 44 percent
1: yeah at,
0: had and multiple many people concussions.
1: don't know what concussion is
0: well right we and they had like say,
1: well I wasn't conscious very long so it wasn't a concussion
0: right right because that's what they were finding they'd ask kids do you think you had a concussion and they're like no and then they'd be like well did you ever feel like you had your bell rung Oh, yeah, 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 definitely.
1: Yeah.
0: And so they just, and, and they don't even consider telling their coaches because they think, oh, you know, I'm oh, fine. Well, you
1: wouldn't, you wouldn't be put back in, maybe, maybe, if, right. you, if you've That's got a you. reasonable coach. And I, I had have one your young lacrosse player. Um, she was, I think, had received a college scholarship, but she was still in high school. And she was standing on the, the uh, sidelines with the coach. And of course, the girls, It's still, I think, mostly the case, don't wear helmets in lacrosse, which is mind-boggling to me. But um, she said two of the players collided. Their heads collided, and there was this crack they could hear Mm -hmm. across the field. And the coach turned to her and said, I didn't hear that, did you? That made me realize how much economics play a part here.
0: yeah yeah i I have your book in front of me, and there is um you write how one problem with concussion is understanding what a concussion really is. An article mm-hmm. in Pediatrics magazine presented the problem very neatly. My child doesn't have a brain injury; he only has a concussion
1: right. <laughs> well, this is a problem in the field and it, it, it's a it's a tricky one what you know where are they really different every tbi traumatic brain injury is you know it's a dramatic term starts with a concussion now that may and how do you define the difference where is there a dividing line we know now thanks to imaging and and really good research that a concussion is not a trivial experience it's not a trivial event uh, on I don't know what page it is um maybe thirty nine in the book um, we have a list table one, the primary symptoms divided by cognitive, physical and sensory, and emotional, and then affect there are thirty three different symptoms thirty three that's the primary.
0: Yeah, you're good. It was it was page thirty-eight. So you were really close. That's impressive.
1: <laughs> well, actually, I had a copy in front of me. I, I did try to prepare it a little bit. <laughs> I knew it was a lot, but I'd never counted them before. Um, <coughs> yeah, and you know, and the stories. And I mean, I, I, we could talk for hours. well, I could talk maybe for hours, not with this cold, but um, it, it's darkly amusing how many people. Um, You know, as parents, we do our very best to protect our kids. But we don't always know what's happened to them. And then when they seem to be okay, they think, well, that was, you know, they're okay now. Um, About 15, 12, 15 years ago, John Freeman, at that time, head of at least part of pediatric neurology at Johns Hopkins, and I were on the same brain injury program and I was delighted when he said, When a child's brought to us now and the question is, why the learning problems? Why you know, why is, you know, something going on here? He said, Now we know we have to ask lots of questions about the seemingly insignificant falls, incidents of any kind involving acceleration, deceleration before especially before age five or six. Because they will be diagnosed with ADD yes. when they're in third or fourth grade, and at that time the DSM five, uh, DSM four, uh, was the um, uh, you know the manual. And when you looked at post concussion, the little items that have to be met to receive that diagnosis, and compare that with ADD, ADHD, they're the same, maybe mm-hmm. one or two things different, and. We just find that over and over. Of course, we make a brain map. We have two kinds of brain maps we make in our office, and I've we've treated about three thousand people now. And you know, this is just very, very helpful. In not we don't diagnose with it, but it shows the imbalance in the way the brain functions, and it's amazing. Our brains are wonderful things. You know, pat yourself on the head and thank your brain for everything it does for you, because. We, it accommodates constantly. There's a um, at the time world-famous uh, neurosurgeon near me in Bethesda who has since died, Dr. Omaya, who very infamous because he invented the shunt that, shunt that cured hydrocephalus. So you almost never hear of anybody with hydrocephalus. It will happen you know, in some diseases or um, after head injury, but it's cured now. And he said, he, he sent me his um, brain injury uh, patients, people he'd operated on. He said the only way it, is that what happens after um, a concussive event is that there's a neurochemical cascade that is now thought to be protective, so it's sort of like a little blanket that comes in over a fire to seal off an area from the rest of the brain. And very often, a neurofeedback therapist will tell you this. With one or two, maybe three treatments, some skills just come back. His explanation was that there's something about the neurofeedback signal that makes that blanket go away. You know, it, it served its purpose, but it doesn't need to be there anymore and there's no expiration date on it. But neurofeedback actually can change the way the brain fires. And that's, I mean, we're documenting that all the time, especially with QEEGs. But the most important documentation is what actually happens in people's lives, and that's what the book was about. The more Carol and I talked about the brochure, (laughs) the longer it got. And it's just such exciting work, and and we really want people to know there are places out there that can help. The Mm -hmm. brain is always just waiting. You know, good nutrition, that's the one thing you can do at home every day to help yourself. People usually don't get enough good quality protein. We're really great on the carbs, and they're delicious, (laughs) especially those manufactured to be delicious. But getting good quality protein... You know, the, just like our skin heals when we get cuts, abrasions, the organs in the body are waiting to heal, too, and the brain is no exception, but it requires it. There was a wonderful Discovery magazine article about the brain as a furnace, and they state that it burns 20 times more calories than 3 pounds of muscle. And if we don't eat, and especially if we don't eat well, it's, it's harder for it to get well.
0: Absolutely. And I would say hydration too. I, oh, you know, hi, our, our brain is mostly made of water and mm-hmm. so staying hydrated yeah, body. is critical. Yeah, right. Exactly. I have a question. You were talking about, you know, that, that blanket, so to speak. Um, could that possibly be what some of us describe as that foggy feeling in our head?
1: I don't know if it's the blanket, but I think it is... Well, I often use, when we look at our maps and talk about what's going on with any individual, um, I think of the brain as very much like a a sports team. You know, there are so many centers of the brain and more is being learned all the time. Um, But our ability to do things, with one exception, the sense of smell, really occurs in only is centered in only one area of the brain, right behind the nose. But everything else requires communication among different structures in the brain. And if you take, think of the brain like a team, if you've got part of your team in the penalty box or off the field, it's still a game. But it's really hard on the players back on the field or on the ice in hockey. And that requires more energy I think that's part of the foggy. You know, it, it, it's a word that you can't quite define, but it's a feeling. Right. It, it just takes much, much longer to, to process information, to be productive. Uh, people become socially isolated. I came up with the term conscious coma in talking with a retired NFL player who, like many and like a lot of our combat folks, just isolate themselves. This guy told me I think he hadn't left his room in four or five years unless there were extraordinary circumstances. And it just occurred to me it was like being in a coma, but you're not unconscious. You just can't engage with the world. Everything's overwhelming. can't respond. It it takes a lot of mental energy and physical energy to take in information, evaluate it make a decision about how you're going to engage in this conversation. And it can be so exhausting that you know people find it easier to just essentially isolate in various degrees. It's really very sad. But it's wonderful when you see it come back and people come in and say, "Wow, you know, I I did this. I remember one woman who after a car wreck, she hadn't been out of the house to do shopping for in a couple of years. And she said, I went shopping and I brought some T-shirts. That was a big deal. hmm doesn't sound like much, but it is.
0: Right. And I remember, oh, gosh, I, the first 15, 16 months, I was in a total and complete fog. You know, that conscious coma you're talking about. And I remember... Starting to get glimpses of of what life used to be like. I remember one time mm-hmm. I went to Starbucks and had a meeting um, with a, a fellow business owner, and I like sat and talked to her for like two hours. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is the first time I've done this." Look what I did! Yeah. Yes, it was like wow, and I still remember that very, very vividly. No, it was probably the coffee. It was the coffee. <laughs> No, I drink that every day (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's like when you start finally to emerge from that fog It's just like, wow, you know And I look back at, because now I'm four years out And I can look back and Mm. I'm like, man, I really, really was struggling And it's amazing I got anything done. I remember getting up to take a shower and then I'd have to lay back down for 20 minutes because the shower just right. completely wiped me out.
1: Right. And you know, you talk lovely, about lovely, the lovely ADD. Would... Oh, you know, the symptoms. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you talk about ADD, yeah. and I had um, a neuropsychologist want to put me on Ritalin, and I was like, no, mm. thank you. And then another doctor explained it to me that. I don't have ADD. The, the problem is that, that my wiring's a little fuzzy and, and it has to travel differently and it's trying to figure it out. So it's taking longer for me to process information. Therefore, mm-hmm. I like start getting distracted and bored. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: So I thought that was a really profound distinction.
1: Right. There's a term uh, called EEG slowing that is often used um, and it's, what it refers to is that the energy distribution in the brain is no longer uh, distributed flexibly among, from the slowest-firing neurons up to the fastest-firing neurons. And they're all good neurons. We need them all. We need their activity. But after anything that could be called a concussion, uh, typically most of the energy is in the very slowest-firing neuro, slowest neurons. You know, they're like light switches just turning on and off. But the fast ones don't have much energy, and they're the ones that used to. And they process information quickly. They make it possible to take part in a conversation. Sense of humor can become dulled because that's, that's a complicated thing to take in information, think about it, classify it, compare it with something else, and then understand the, the, the humor in the situation. Uh, loss of sense of humor is a, a, one of the hallmarks of post-concussion. So EEG slowing is a term that makes a lot of sense. Everything takes longer that you used to be able to do fast. Now, when you have a child who's been injured you know early, they don't know that they could be different right. because they haven't been able to have that experience. So we could go Mary, on and on about all kinds of stories, but I think you, your point is really, really well taken. How hard it is, and what a great feeling it was.
0: Yes, yeah, and so Mary, what like
1: what advice do you have
0: to someone who has suffered a concussion and is really struggling? You know, maybe they're even two, three years out, and they haven't found appropriate help. And and we know now that our brains can still recover, you know, even three, five, ten years out. So what advice well, would more. you have? What was
1: that? I said even more. Uh, oh, on our right. website, there's a video of a woman who was in that very first study, 21 years post-injury, and the amazing things that happened to her. And that's why I, I've just, I continue almost every day to be just, amazed at what the brain's capable of doing if we can treat it uh, not only nutritionally but in, in other ways to regain its capabilities. Um, advice, there are two uh, websites you can go to, to. Of course, I'm very much in favor of adding a neurotherapy to a treatment plan. I do not claim that it is the only thing, but You know, since 1994, I just stumbled on this and have been using it and and have many colleagues. But there are international uh, providers for neurofeedback. But the two certifying sources, the certifying um, um, site is called, um, well, the initials are B like boy, I, C like cat, A, B-C-I-A, Biofeedback Certification International Alliance. And you can search for people there from all over the world who provide biofeedback and neurofeedback. And, of course, concussion does not mean just, just even these primary 33 things. There are a lot of physical things that go on. And then there's another association, AAP, like Peter, B, like boy, A-A-P-B, a lot of members there. So you might find someone near you. Um, I guess read all you can. And, but nutrition at home is an amazing starting place. Uh, the, the one thing you can do for yourself every single day. Um, Carol recently told me about something called the, I think it's P.O.P., a P.O.P. tent that is helping a lot of people with sleep. Sleep can really be messed up after an injury. Oh yeah. And these are there are a lot of testimonials there about people who and one reason I think is that almost all not all by any means but a lot of people who've had concussion have trauma about the events around the concussion or concussions and we don't feel safe and as I. Listen to her experience talking with people who have used these uh, little pop-up tents, which you fit on beds of all sizes. They feel safe. And gosh, if you can get good sleep, a better quality sleep, without medication, that's really going to help the brain.
0: Mm-hmm. So and and I've out. also There's heard
1: various brands.:
0: I've also heard weighted blankets um, are very, very helpful. Yes.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that's something similar.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You feel I kind of that, safe and snuggled.
1: Yeah. That's been that kind of thing has been used a lot with uh, um, autistic, you know, uh, children, and I think it's something similar. I think the autonomic nervous system is able to calm down. But so, it's hard Carol- to do a lot of things for yourself.
0: So, Carol, so nice, so very kindly sent me a copy of of the book, and um oh. I do have a link in the show notes. If anyone's interested, it is on Amazon. Um, my favorite part of the whole book is the the first section where you talk about people throughout history who have mm-hmm. likely had brain injuries, and especially Phineas gage. he's you know he's got to be oh. at the top of your list. <laughs>
1: Well, one of my favorites was uh, Mary Lincoln, because I remember as a child, you know, you read about Abe Lincoln and then his crazy wife. And I I, I never could figure out, why would he marry someone who was such a dingbat? And then you find out that she was anything but, until, and this, this comes from uh, Dave, uh, Doris Kearns Goodwin's book, Team of Rivals, about Lincoln. Um, there's a what's called the Lincoln Cottage now, which is near the soldier's home here in D.C. Uh, he spent, I think it was more than 25% of his presidency, or they did, living in that cottage it was several miles from the White House because in those days, the White House, uh, anybody could walk in any time. I mean, it was just open door. They never had a minute to themselves. So there were two reasons. This was a quiet place, it was a higher elevation, a little bit cooler, I suspect, but also it was next to the grounds where the wounded soldiers were living in tents, and they could both visit and did constantly the soldiers from the Civil War, but there were assassination attempts on Abe as he would go back and forth. And it's a wonderful place to visit. It's a great video tour um, with quotes from his guards. He was constantly leaving without his guard, and once he came back, there was a bullet hole through his top hat, and he, he told me, oh, wow. <laughs> please, please don't tell Mrs. Lincoln. She'd be very upset. And But in one of these, he, they were going back in a carriage, And he decided to ride his horse. She was in the carriage. Someone had sawn most of the way through an axle. It broke, throwing her through the air. The account is that she landed on a rock on her head. I guess she was unconscious for quite a while. After that, she had horrible migraines. And this was after, I forget which of the sons had died. And, of course, during the Civil War, There was so much um, division within the Lincoln and in her family, uh, you know, on on two sides of the war. And in her commitment uh, court hearing in Illinois later brought by her son, Robert, uh, he testified that she'd never been the same since that accident. And that just sort of made it so clear. Migraine after concussion... The hallucinations. I've treated many people who've had uh, auditory hallucinations, especially after concussion. It's not an uncommon uh, result. So they, I, I just found it extremely interesting. And when you think of Henry VIII and what that did to history, you know, in England and Europe, it's just uh, it's a fascinating thing, and it, it is. It is, in fact, the World Health Organization. I think you know, just very recently said that in not too many years, uh, traumatic brain injury will be the third leading cause of death in the world.
0: Yeah, it's that's powerful.
1: Well, and it's it's really misunderstood. There's so many. I mean, the family stories that I hear constantly, uh, you know. It's like, well, you know, if, if my son would only try, or my daughter just doesn't apply herself, she's just got right. to sit and study. Well, what if you can't? And then you're yep. considered—I um, don't know—you're you're not trying. You're trying and yeah, it's non-compliant. And then what that does to the self-esteem it makes well, it even harder.
0: Mary, thank you so much for. Writing your book and for sharing brochure, all of your brochure. knowledge with it's us, a brochure. your brochure. <laughs> it's a great
1: big brochure,
0: and a, and a thank you to Carol for her part in in writing the book. Um, it's it's a one. I really think it's one of the better books that I've read. It's it's very easy to understand for the layperson. Um, well, that's nice you know, to
1: hear because that was an aim. Because we know that reading is very very hard for many people post-concious. Yes.
0: And, again, the name is Conquering Concussion, Healing TBI Symptoms with Neurofeedback and Without Drugs. Um, so, uh, Mary, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you taking the time. I could talk with you for hours.
1: I love hearing all these well, stories. Well, Amy, if you're ever in this direction, let me know. Let's get together and have a long lunch. Absolutely. Or have coffee at Starbucks because it makes you yes. feel so much better. <laughs>
0: Well, I will be your way in March. So let's let's oh, see if wonderful. we can make that work.
1: Okay. I'm I'm all for it. Thank well, you again. Thank you.
0: Thank you for being here. I really appreciate and keep up the great work. It's stuff like this that really, really makes a difference in the world.
1: We we have no intention of stopping.
0: Great. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope that you got some golden nuggets from Mary today. And again, her book is linked in the show notes. And you can always find any previous podcasts at facesoftbi.com. And again, another big thank you to our sponsor, Minnesota Functional Neurology. Find them online at mn functional com. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey and have a wonderful day, everyone.